New and able to keep it up. Here's Ellis trying to end it. And she does. Purdue upsets Wisconsin at home. This peaking crowd right now. Ear splitting before match point. Londa. Chin. Setting up Peterson again. Block! Boilermakers do it! They survived the upset with a three-set run to win in five and advance to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. The block by Purdue and the Boilermakers are moving on! Welcome back to a new season of the Dick City Podcast. Corey Palmer alongside head coach Dave Shondell. Dave, great to see you. Uh, good to see you, you got a little summer sun, you got a little color to you, a little mm. some, some time at the lake. But uh, I know I know those those days are in the rearview mirror as we are full steam ahead into the 2022 season. And uh, you're a couple days into camp. Mm-hmm. What what has the what's the initial returns on uh, on this year's ball club? Well, you're right about the extreme transition from summer to the first day of practice. Everything changes. And uh, to, to compete in this league, it has to be 100% focus on, on volleyball and watching tape and communicating with your players and all those type of things. And that's what I enjoy. That's why I love my job. That's why I'm still here. Um, but uh, we return, uh, we have 17 players, you know, 11, I think 11 returners, three freshmen, three transfers. Uh, I think that we're an unknown quantity based on from what I've seen and heard. Uh, a lot of people not real familiar with some of the names on our team, even those that played a lot at some other places and a few that played a lot for us and some outstanding freshmen. I'm encouraged, absolutely encouraged by what I have seen in my gym, but not surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was part of recruiting those players and selecting who was going to come here. We have some really good recruiting classes in, in the four or five classes that are here have some exceptional players and some great athletes. And when we uh, jump tested our players yesterday, which is what uh, Aaron Broke Miller does on the very first day that they come back. And they had about a week off, so they, they were rested, mm-hmm. uh, which is always a good time to really get a true impact. We had 11 players at 10 foot or better. One was at 10 foot, the rest of them were higher than that from 10 7, 10 6 and a half, 10 6, 10 5 and a half. 10-4, you know, on down the line. I've never had that type of jumping ability on one team before. We've had four or five, you know, tremendous athletes. Um, but this is, this is going to prove to be great competition in the gym, which is the one thing you need to have if you want to be prepared in our league, is to have that competition every night and know you're going to have to compete in practice against the same kind of players you're going to be seeing on the opponent's floor. That sort of testing, it's, it's kind of that raw data, right, that, that translates into it, 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 it's an outward showing of athleticism. Mm-hmm. And then you just you try and mold that into you know, yeah. skill-specific yeah. stuff. You also got to jump and hit a ball and, and yeah. find ways to block while, sure. while you're up in the air. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think... Our recruiting philosophy, I'm not saying it's been different than a lot of people. It's we're going to find athletes that want great athletes who are great people that want to be coached, and that's proven to be fairly effective for us. Um, 
and we're going to, you know, sometimes we can't get the same player, Stanford or Texas or, for that matter, you know, Minnesota or Penn State, Wisconsin, whoever else, okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. based on where they are and, and what their um, their ego is and things like that. Uh, but we can we can find great athletes that, that see the opportunity that is here at, at Purdue, and then we get, get them, and then we feel like we can train. We absolutely believe that, that we can train volleyball. And when we get them in our gym, we see great progress. And I think some people will be a little surprised when they look and see some players who are pretty much unknown, um, unheralded, that uh, I think some of them will step out this fall and, and be exceptional players in our league. We'll get to some names in, in just a few minutes. Uh, we've got some, you know, we'll break down the team a little bit later. Uh, there's a couple other things I want to touch on uh, before we get to that point. What is the camp schedule? What's it look like? Are you guys doing one practice, two practices a day, off days sprinkled in? Well, we have to take one off day a week. NCAA requires that through the compliance department. But we will schedule two practices per day. That doesn't mean we're going to stick with that. You know, as a coaching staff and players, and we get the feedback from the players, whether we like it or not, or ask for it or not, um, when they're starting to wear down and when they need a break. And so we may give them a full day, you know, along with the mandatory day off, a day off. We may give them the afternoon practice, maybe just go a little bit longer in the morning. Uh, we will go out to my lake place. You know, Angie's uh, looking forward to having the team out there again, and, and we'll go out there, and um, that's kind of a break for mm -hmm. them as well. But we've got work to do. Um, and really the, the, the whole metho methodology of what we're doing is how can we mature and develop as a team faster than anybody else? I mean, we're 15 days from now, we're getting on a charter plane and going to Knoxville, Tennessee mm -hmm. to play three teams that are all, all expecting to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, two maybe mid-major programs in Loyola and Bowling Green, but uh, Loyola, I think, won the league last year in their conference, and Bowling Green's been one of the top three teams for a long time in, in the MAC. And then you got Tennessee, who's picked third in in the SEC. So that's great motivation. But we have to we have to move quick mm -hmm. without putting a lot of pressure on. There has to be a sense of urgency in how we operate our practices every day. So it can't be a fun fest in there. It's got to be, you know, great competition, great intensity, great maturity, great leadership. And as always, a player-led program. They have to make it happen. Opening on the road this year, as you said. Unusual. Down, down at Tennessee. That is unusual for you guys. Usually you uh, have the mortarboard mm -hmm. classic to, to lift the lid on the season. Yeah. What, uh, what led to that this year? Uh, just uh, we got jammed up on scheduling. Okay. And uh, we had to give a return to Tennessee. They were kind enough to come down and play last year here in Holloway Gym. And there's a lot of things you're juggling mm -hmm. to, to try to get your schedule right. And we love to open the season, you know, right, right before school starts, be able to come back, have that first event here and just jam that Holloway gym and, and make it a festive atmosphere. But it's going to have to wait a week this year. Yep. But I think we'll still have that environment in Holloway gym. But that's the reason why, you know, our, our non-conference schedule is good. Mm -hmm. That's been one of the most difficult things as a coach to do is put together a schedule that is um, competitive to merit good RPI. A ranking when it's all said and done without you know being away too much or or being home too much for that matter so um, I think we got it right and we play some good teams there's no cupcakes on the schedule and there's a lot of good teams like you said week two at home September 2nd the home opener doubleheader that day and then uh, the third against Milwaukee and then skip a week 
and, and then you're home again to uh, to wrap up the yeah. non-conference season with with Ball State and Northern Kentucky coming yes. to town. So yeah, there's definitely some some good home matches to look forward to. Yeah, and I think the headliners there, Utah, Utah that second yep. weekend it will, will be a really really good match. They're a, probably a middle of the pack team this year in the Pac-12. Uh, they were really good the past few years. Um, I guess they're kind of like us. Everybody has kind of forgot about them because they, they graduated some key people. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to say where they're going to be. It's not fair to say they're a middle of the pack. They may win the Pac-12. I don't, I don't know. Right. So, uh, but they'll be good. I mean, they'll, they'll have Big Ten-like athletes on the floor when they come in here, as will Louisville, who was the number one RPI team in the country who will play the week before that. Right. And then, as I mentioned, Tennessee is highly touted. Ball State was in the NCAA tournament and beat Michigan a year ago. So. Mm -hmm. We look at it as not not how many great teams can we play, how many high, how many teams are going to help us get a good RPI, and and sometimes you just can't make it happen perfectly. But I think I think we've done a pretty good job. But then those teams left to do their job by right. winning a lot of matches. Uh, there was one year you can remember 2015. We thought we had a great schedule: Notre Dame, Moorhead State. Those teams were winning 25 to 30 matches a year, yep. and then that year they won it combined. They won 11 matches. They all picked the same season yeah. to go so, in the tank, and yeah. Um, so you never know for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one more thing to talk to, to talk on on the preseason before we get to yeah. camp. Yeah. First ever Big Ten Media Day was yes. was held about a week ago yeah. up in Chicago. Overall impressions on that? I, I know you know. All of the all of the comments I saw from every team who took part was this is phenomenal. This yeah. is a great step for the sport, and it really shows you know the emphasis that's being put on on volleyball. Maybe uh, it, about time will be the the judicious way to say that. But yeah. uh, just your impressions of that. Well, it, it wasn't lip service um, from those players and coaches that you heard from. The Big Ten Network and the Big Ten Conference put on a show. It was a, a spectacle. Uh, for the sport of volleyball and I couldn't have been any more impressed with with what they did and and more happy and thankful that the Big Ten stepped out before any other conference and did something for a sport besides football and, and basketball mm -hmm. and uh, I think our players deserve that mm -hmm. I think players in the past I mean you know we're riding on the shoulders of the Big Ten players from years and years and years ago right. and I hope they're just as proud uh, as what our, our people are now to do that but um, it, it was it was terrific. Uh, I think probably this first year there was too much talk about the fact it was the first one. Sure. And uh, where I think in the future the questions will be more on how good your team going to be and who's going to play setter and who's the best team in the conference and what are you going to do when you go to you know Wisconsin or you know the kind of questions mm -hmm. that you normally get um, at a media day. So. But I, I think it was it was great, and I just I just felt very blessed to be a coach in that group that's uh, involved with the Big Ten. I know they uh, you had your regular press conferences and media availabilities. They they also shot some some marketing stuff. They shot uh, some yeah it was it, some it, stuff getting it was ready a for one stop it. shop. Yep. So now the Big Ten Network is set for the entire season uh, because all these coaches and players were there to do all these question and answers and, and funny stuff and, and other other things as mm -hmm. well. And now they'll be able to roll that out during the season. And they're doing more matches than ever. I think the number was 47 uh, Big Ten matches on TV this yep. year. I think 55 when you include ESPN and maybe Fox, uh, more than ever. Uh, the Big Ten 
numbers indicate that, that volleyball is blowing up on TV. That's why they're doing this. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not it, it's strategy. It's not because they're trying to be nice to us. Right. right. Uh, they they recognize and they think this will help even improve those numbers. So it, it was a great thing for everybody involved in volleyball. And I'm guessing next year we won't be the only. Uh, conference and has a volleyball media day. I'm guessing you're right about that. Uh, we'll go ahead and get to this year's team. I know we're going to break it down a little bit different. We talked, you know, before we started uh, started the show. Sure. Um, let's break down the team instead of by position, uh, uh, by status. Okay. So let's talk about the returners first. People okay. that uh, some names that that our fans might be most familiar with. Okay. At the end of the year. And that's not many. Yeah, by right, the way, right. Which is, I think, a reflection of why we're ranked eighth preseason in the Big Ten Conference after going to back-to-back, -back, you know, regional semi, regional finals. Regional finals, yeah. right. But I think uh, when you look at uh, the players that have played the most, you should probably start with Raven Colvin, who, you know, the last half of the season was a regular. She wasn't starting at the beginning of the season, but due to some injuries and her emergence and her mm -hmm. competitiveness, uh, she became an absolute stud and was a all, all Big Ten freshman player. And she's just gotten better and better. Had a good summer where she played with the uh, USA, uh, I think, under 21 team. And, mm -hmm. and that was a good experience for her. But she's, she's, she's pretty darn good. When, when I watch her play right now, she's not anything compared to what she was a year ago. She's, hmm. she's probably two levels above that. And, uh, and, and now showing the leadership that you would expect from Colvin. Um, very, very impressive. So excited about her. Uh, a player that not a lot of people know, even though her name is unique, Skimmerhorn, uh, Maddie, we call her Skim, uh, I think is a remarkable ball control player and a tremendous leader. And I, and I don't know why people, maybe because she had to play behind people like Horning and Otek uh, for so long and was just getting on the floor for a couple of rotations. She's a rock star, in my opinion. I've been wrong before, okay? Uh, but she, in, in the area of defense and passing, serving, leadership, uh, being a great teammate, she is one of the best I've ever had. And so I'm excited about, about her as well. Um, then you've got uh, other Maddies uh -huh. as well. You've got Maddie Cook, uh, who is, is, a, is a Caitlin Newton type of a player. Different, totally different. Right. Um, I think a little bit bigger, um, probably a better, little bit better blocker. Um, but hits the ball pretty similar with pace, and that's that means hitting the tar out of the ball. Mm -hmm. And she's she had a great spring, and uh, you know players would tell me how well she was doing in the summer. I can't be in there with them. You know we're one of those sports that can't didn't have a chance to do that. Right. Um, but then we get 15 days to get ready to have our team play in, in a competitive match. Uh, but but Maddie Maddie has established herself as a as a go-to player on this team. Emma Ellis. Hit 400 for us in the spring, which again, those are exhibition matches. But we played Kentucky, we played Ball State, we played Western Kentucky. You know, we played some pretty decent teams. She mm -hmm. hit 400 to lead the way for our team, and and uh, of course, she's also a senior. Those three are all seniors, as is Maddie Chen, mm -hmm. and uh, Maddie Chen has has gotten stronger. Um, you know, she had some concerns about her shoulder for really about two and a half years. Uh, finally, got a. Uh, uh, a scan on that and found out that um, that an MRI that it, it wasn't anything serious. Okay. And I think that took a load of, of uh, concern off her mind and now she looks she looks awfully good and uh, I think those are all the players that, that played you know some volleyball for us last year. There are some others. Allie Horning. I guess let's go ahead. You want to go to those that are yeah. Maybe, let's the yeah. uh, the unknowns that are re returning off our team. Yep. 
I think Allie Horning is probably the, the highest name because biggest name because she came in as a top 20 recruit and um, her sister Allie I mean Mo had been here for a long time and I think now as much as I love Mo the fact that she's gone I think has allowed Allie to say okay now it's my time that makes sense it's my turn to be me and and she has really been impressive this summer so when you look at the the fact that we lost Otec who was playing libero Marissa Hornung, who was a uh, libero slash uh, defensive specialist, and Twilliger, who came in and served and did some things, yep. as well as uh, um, Newton, who was passing and playing middle back for us. That's a, that's a big void. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the skimmer horn, and you have to have th- this improvement by um, Allie Horning. Uh, that, that's really important. That, those, that's, that's a big deal for us. Um, Lourdes Myers is a name that... Very few people know that when she steps on the floor, they're going to recognize her because she's six three. She touches ten five and a half. Uh, she's been here two years, hasn't used a year of eligibility yet because she had an injury uh, year for a red shirt and she had COVID red shirt. So she's got four more years, mm. and so that's a name people will know uh, before long. But she's she's returning, and we're excited. She'll compete for one of the middle spots. Ava Torrance. Uh, the little backcourt player will be a senior. Only four backcourt players on our roster this year. That's small, that is for, real small for our for squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's hope that they stay healthy because I think that will that will be important. Uh, but she's she's a really nice player. Uh, Meg Renner is going to be a, a signature player for us because Meg has been here. This will be her fourth season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meg um, redshirted her first year, and she sat behind – Haley Bush for the last two years and in our league and the schedule we play it's not easy just to get people experience you yeah. think it would be but with the way that the the RPI and the committee works when they select these teams for the NCAA tournament you can't you can't give people that have the freedom to give them playing time right. unfortunately right. I think that's a lousy deal okay because it really handcuffs coaches for to play people um, even if they're they're really close to where the other person is, and I think fans are going to find out we had a lot of players that were really on the cusp yeah. of being as good as those people we played last year. But when do you play them, and when do you, you break up that continuity of that cohesiveness that that particular team might have? And uh, but but uh, Meg Renner is a six foot one setter that touches ten foot two. That's that's remarkable for uh-huh. the setting c- category, and uh, a good athlete that is a is a is a calm leader on the floor. And, and is doing a great job for us. Uh, Cindy Yim is another setter that returns. She's a redshirt freshman that uh, is maybe may as big of a jump in the last year as anybody on our roster, uh, about 5'11", and, uh, and, and plays with a lot of confidence on the floor. Uh, Emily Rastovsky is uh-huh. another freshman, redshirt freshman, that you know didn't play last year, uh, touching 10-2. Looks like a different player this year than she did a year ago. The redshirt year was great for her. Yeah, a very intelligent player, uh, intelligent person, and I'm, I'm excited about her. She's just a real rock, steady player for us. So I, I'm, I'm looking at my list, and I think that's everybody that between those veterans that we talked about earlier and that group that returns for us. Yep. that's 11 players, and there's not a dog in the fight. I mean, that these are all good players, quality people. That's excellent to hear. Uh, uh, one thing that stands out, you, you mentioned four back row players. That seems like it's going to necessitate, you know, one or two front row players playing all six rotations. Now, is that is, am I reading no, I, that it, incorrectly? Well, I, almost in today's world, um, 
that's something we want to do. Yeah. We want to have that back row attack option. And substitution-wise, it keeps you out of a lot of jams if you're, you do have uh, a, ideally a right side and a left side that can play back there. But it gives us a chance to have a little flexibility of maybe giving that, that a left side a rest or the right side a rest or somebody serve for one of those two spots okay. along the way. But uh, I think we're going to suffice with what we have in, in the backcourt. I think all four are, are very capable. And, uh, you know, it might be a little rough when they first get some opportunities, but they'll settle in. One of those background players is Emily Brown. Let's go ahead and switch to the three transfers okay. that you've got coming in, three upperclassmen transfers in uh, Emily Brown, Grace Balancefer, and Hannah Clayton. What, can you, what have you well, seen from them so far? Well, finally, I, I mean, I've seen three. Well, with Emily Brown, she was here in the spring. So we saw full spring with her and then three practices yep. this fall. With her and Emily came in as, as left left Missouri, where she was a starting libero, and wanted to come home. Uh, she played at McCutcheon High School, yeah. and she, you know, wanted to come here. Always loved Purdue, and we opened the door gladly for her uh, to come back here. She started a little slow last spring, I think, being the only transfer that was in the gym and the only person new, uh, looking at a lot of you know pretty good players in the gym. And she just got better and better and better. And then this summer, continue to train hard. She's one of those people who's going to be in the gym all the time. Okay. Um, that's kind of her gym, trademark. Gym yeah. kind of thing. And, uh, and what I've seen in the first day and a half, she looks like a different player. Hmm. Um, just more confident, covering more ground, believing in herself. So so that's good. So I'm, that's why I'm feeling pretty good about those backcourt players. Uh, Grace Balancefer, also from McCutcheon High School, that played four years as a starting setter for Northern Illinois in the MAC Conference. She wanted to come back and you know she grew up watching Purdue play and the Big Ten Volleyball and she said, boy, my fifth year, I would love an opportunity to do that. I said, we'll give you the opportunity to come in here. Yeah. And you know, at first I felt like, <clears throat> worst case scenario, she's gonna be a great practice player for mm -hmm. us, a great setter to, to run the second unit. But then after seeing her again, I went back and I watched some tape of Northern Illinois play. I, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I, the situation was good for us whether she was going to be a great player or an average player. Mm -hmm. uh, but when she has come back, and again, the, the, what you hear through the, the windmill um, during the summertime is people saying she can really play. Huh. And she's a great competitor and she's a terrific teammate and all those kind of things. They weren't wrong. Um, she's, she's doing a really nice job. Different kind of a setter uh, than what uh, Meg Renner is. Meg's okay. you know, six, one and a half. And uh, Grace is probably five, seven-ish, you know. A good athlete, plays hard, delivers a great ball, but two different kind of setters, and can you make that work in, in the same unit or not? You know, time will tell. And then the other person we have, Hannah Clayton, who is a four-year starter at Iowa in the Big Ten Conference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we played Iowa, we knew that she was one of the two or three people that we had to put a handle on because they could score points against you. So when uh, Taylor Trammell uh, transferred out and uh, you know, went to Penn State, we knew that we needed needed somebody and went to the, the portal, as it's called now. And uh, we were very fortunate that Hannah Clayton decided to play her final year. And part of that was she was a teammate of Grace Cleveland's in club ball. Okay. And so Grace you know, told her what Purdue was like. Hmm. And uh, they came for the visit. Because at first, we, we got on her late. You know, you get on her when you know you got an opening. We didn't know we had an opening until kind of late. Yeah. And she'd already declared that she was going to transfer. and But... Uh, we were able to convince her that this would be a great place for her, and she's quick on the ball. You know, she's not 
She's not touching 10-5, 10-6. She's around 10-2, 10-1, 10-2, but she is fast on the ball. Technically, she's really, really good in everything she does, so she's going to be a terrific player for us. And again, she and, and Lourdes Myers will fight for that second middle spot, and I think either way, they're going to bring some positive things to the floor. And hopefully bring out the best in each other through that competition, too. Definitely. Bloomington, Illinois has been a pretty good, uh, pretty good little area Brought for some good players yeah. for us. Brought some good players to us, uh, obviously, with uh, – Val Nickel and Grace Cleveland yeah. uh, lead, leading that pack. Three newcomers, three three new newcomers, yeah. freshmen coming in, uh, Lizzie Carr, Eva Hudson, Brielle Warren. Um, you finally can, well, you've been able to talk about them for a little bit, little bit but you but can, now we've watched them play them. In, in a college atmosphere yeah. against, you know, Big Ten players. And it was funny because um, one of them, Eva Hudson, who's highly touted and uh, will compete for a starting spot this year and okay. I think Purdue fans will be be very happy to see her in a, in a Purdue uniform. Her mom uh, played here, Stacy Mondino, back, oh, okay. back uh, how many years ago, I don't know, I'm going to guess it was, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to guess. You're not going to do the math. And but uh, was a good player out of Ben Davis High School and uh, so it was, it was great to secure her uh, on this roster but she, she was disappointed with her first practice and a lot of it was all of a sudden you're staring, you know, when we get into team play, she's looking across the net seeing Maddie Cook and Raven Colvin and Lourdes Myers and uh, these people are living high above the net. And you don't see a bunch of that in high school or club. And she'll learn very quickly on, on not to let that bother her too much and not overthink it and just go out and, and play the game the way that she's capable of playing it. But she's an outside hitter that touches 10 feet six and uh, has these really long arms and, 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 and plays hard. And she's she's a baller. She's one of the, the, the real ballers that we brought to our program. And, and you know, we bring some of them. You know, I think Brittany Dildine was the first. Mm -hmm. um, and she kind of brought that mentality. She's just gonna, gonna battle her tail off and, and nothing's gonna stop her from, from doing whatever she can to help this team win. And, and uh, Eva's that kind of a player, very skilled, very tough and uh, capable of playing all six rotations. So that's, that's a real positive. Brielle Warren um, is out of Houston, Texas. Uh, her dad's Ty Warren, we talked about this. Yep. Ty Warren and Roosevelt Colvin were teammates on the uh, Patriots on some, some great, great teams, as most of them were, and, and probably still are to some extent, depends on how, how well you like the Patriots. Yep. Uh, but she is a, She's a tough customer, okay? <laughs> she's a tough customer, and she's physical. She's physical as all get out. And uh, so, I mean, that, that blood runs runs pretty thick, you know, from the NFL to, to their daughters as far as athletic ability. Um, and she has a lot to learn, but uh, she hits the ball really, really hard. She's a great blocker. She's got very physical hands, um, competes hard, and kind of a no-nonsense type of a player. Mm -hmm. um, ball control skills can improve. She plays defense very hard. And uh, been been really. I mean, she was a bright one of the bright spots. Good. watching her that in practice. And then the third middle is uh, six foot six inch Lizzie Carr out of uh, Pennsylvania, not right near Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's ever been a six six. And we saw the video on her, and it was a no brainer that, that we we go after her. And, and I was fortunate because it was a COVID deal. We actually offered her before. I told you the story. Offered yeah. her before I even saw her play live because I couldn't see her. And if I was going to wait, she'd have gone somewhere she'd else. Gone. Right, for and sure. And so we, we made the offer, and then I watched her at the AUs, and she looked really good. And I thought, whew, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, but but she's going to be a big timer. You know, when when she gets her opportunities to really show herself um, remains to be seen because we have some some good middles that are in front of her right now. 
but uh, of course Hannah will be is a fifth year player, so she'll mm-hmm. be gone. And so, uh, but uh, she's she's talented. Uh, th- that's three really good freshmen. I mean, anybody that would look yeah. at those three, I can't imagine anybody in the country looking at those three and, and turn them down because they they all have high ceilings and all are going to help this program win. It's cool to hear that you've got you know this depth and and depth that you can have some confidence in yeah. all this athleticism, and yet you still got four or five fewer players to manage than you did last year uh, just because of the roster inflation. Well, and I think that's helpful. Yeah, you know, for I mean, sure. It, we managed it last year. That was because the players on this team were very selfless, mm-hmm. and they they just were mature and recognized that for this to work and for us to have a great season, um, they had to give something. And we redshirted some people, which which helped. You know, if you're redshirting, you know you're not going to play, right. and uh, not easy to do. But uh, as far as you know, managing the team, it makes it a little bit easier. And you know, we might redshirt some people this year as well. Time will tell, but not as many to to, to play with. But uh, uh, the competition in our gym, Corey, I think is going to be off the chart. I think it's going to be really, really good. We just so many good athletes swinging at balls, and 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 there's this great leadership from our veteran players that are, that are here. I, I'm just so impressed. You know, we're a player-led team, mm-hmm. and and so I step back a lot more than I, I used to because I found that to be more productive, and um, let these guys kind of coach themselves and pull the team together when they need to, and and do stuff off the floor that's necessary. But uh, it's a team so far that looks like they've done a lot of work during the offseason to make sure that this is going to be a season that's better than many people predict. That's awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask where the leadership's coming from. It's good to hear it's coming from, from the veterans, but, but also maybe not just one person. No, you know, you know Skimmer Horn, as I mentioned, has, has those qualities. Maddie Cook has stepped really up big. And uh, her voice is, is very loud on this team, yeah. uh, as is Emma and, and, and Maddie Chin. Uh, Renner, who's the same age as those players right now, but is uh, redshirted, so she's mm-hmm. just going to be a junior, is, is more soft-spoken in how she goes about it. Raven Colvin leads, whether she's in seventh grade or she's you know a sophomore or a senior. Right. Uh, she's going to lead. Okay, we've talked about the Boilermakers. We, 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 know what we know about them after three days of practice. What do yeah. you... Uh, Forecast the league for me. How? How? I mean, you've got the national returning national champs. You got the returning national runners up. You've got another, you know, team that made the elite eight. All, all coming back. Yeah, it's a dangerous question. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'll be very nice to everybody as I, I want to be. But I thought last year was an anomaly that there were so many remarkable teams. Um, not because the Big Ten doesn't produce great teams. It's just that they were so good. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot because COVID allowed the fifth-year players. I don't think there are as many fifth-year players that will be ever again because those seniors had their senior year. Yeah. Um, if they're doing it now, there's been a lot of give and take with scholarship money and conversations to, to, to try to get those people to stay. But like here, all of our players graduated, because mm-hmm. I, I think because they had a fulfilled career. And they got to play their senior year. They went to the Elite Eight, and they and they had opportunities waiting on them. Okay? Yeah, I mean they, right. they they're all they're all working right now. They've all moved on. They're no, not sitting around, you no, know. We're sleeping in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so good for them, and I'm proud of that. But uh, last year, there was a lot of pros that were playing uh-huh. in the Big Ten, and so uh, I, I think that there'll be more balance this year from whether it's one through. 10, went through 11, 12, I, I don't know, but there's not going to be a huge difference. I mean, I think if you looked at the preseason rankings, you had maybe Maryland at 10th, 
Well, Maryland beat Wisconsin last year. Right. Uh, Maryland has a, a boatload of players back from that team a year ago. They've got the best blocker in the country. Um, their staff just got brand new scholarships and, and contract extensions. So there's a lot of positive things going there, and that's the tenth ranked team in our in our league with Northwestern, who's got a bunch of studs right above them. All right. So I, I think that there, you know, obviously you're going to, you know, Wisconsin, who won the championship a year ago, um, lost several players like we did, but. Um, the names, I guess, that are coming in and filling those spots are, are bigger than the names that we have. Um, I think Minnesota's going to be really good. Mm -hmm. They lost Samity, who's a you know, stud for sure, um, but not a lot left uh, uh, besides that. So, and they got some great incoming players, including transfers. So I think them, those two plus Nebraska uh, are the, the – and Ohio State. Those are the four that, that I think – um, may stand out a little bit right now before we find out what some of those other teams really have. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's where you start. And then you get into the Illinois and, and, the, and the Michigan and the Purdue and the Penn State and Northwestern and Maryland. Um, and I, I, then after that, it, it's hard to say. Michigan State's got a totally new coach and a totally new team. Um, you've got Iowa, the same boat. I mean, a lot of new faces on those schools. Then you've mm -hmm. got Indiana, uh, who should be pretty good quite honestly. And then uh, you finish up with Rutgers, who really struggled a year ago after having a, a breakout season the year before. So I, I think it, it, look for great competition um, from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And as I told, told our teams, the, the teams that compete at the highest level and have the toughness and know how to respond when it gets down to crunch time, you're going to see them in the NCAA tournament and they'll continue to advance like they have in the past. Yep. If they aren't competing and winning close games, in close matches, then they'll be on the outside looking in. I, I, I feel like this is, this question is redundant a little bit because so much of the national scene is, the national conversation is set by the Big Ten. Yeah. But outside the league, uh, I know, you know Louisville's expected to be very yeah. good. I yeah. know, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's expected to be very good again. Who else, who else nationally are you looking for or looking at? Yeah, and again, that's, that's a real difficult question because I'm number one. I'm trying to focus on my team, sure. and then the most I can do is look at who we're going to play. But Louisville is one of those teams, and even though Louisville lost what I consider their two most prolific players in a setter and a middle hitter, that I thought had great careers, and I think we're both first-team All-Americans. They've got plenty back. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got it rolling at Louisville right now. Uh, they're doing a really nice job, and we'll play them. Uh, Pittsburgh, similar situation. Lost some some pretty good players. Hit the transfer wire really hard, okay. and uh, I think you know filled some gaps. So I think that they're going to be good. BYU, the team that we knocked off in the regional semifinal, and very good, miraculous come from behind win. They'll be they'll be really tough. They're going to be really tough. They were they were tough. They only lost like two matches yeah, all last they, year, they rolled last including year. ours. Mm -hmm. So they're going they're going to be really good. Then you get into the Pac-12, which I think that's a mashed potatoes type of a situation. Um, you know, you've got Washington, Oregon. Uh, Stanford, um, USC. USC has got, I think they have the number one recruiting class when you include transfers. Okay. Uh, but they, they've got like 12 people coming in. Uh, you know, a fairly new coach out there who's a, who's a funny guy. And, uh, but uh, they've, they, they are really doing a nice job of getting things turned, at least it appears that way. UCLA is always going to be awfully good. Um, outside of those, I, I don't know. Washington State uh, will have a good team again, okay. as they have been. They've always been very competitive. So that's six from the, from there. And then I think Texas. Texas is, is a team to beat right now. Texas has everybody back. Plus, they okay. picked up some transfers. Um, 
you know, that, that are going to really, really help them. How well they can manage that situation will be the key. Uh, but they probably will have more, more veteran talent than any team in the country at Texas. And that's why I think they'll, they'll be picked. Well, Wisconsin might be picked one because they won a year yeah, ago. But eventually, I think Texas will be that team. And then you go to the SEC and you look at uh, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State maybe who had a you know incredible season last year. So I know I'm forgetting some people, but I'm just trying to uh, do the best I can uh, with that. But I, I think it will be you know Texas and a couple of Big Ten teams will 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 probably be at the, at the tip top when when things start. And then after that, it's 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 how well teams want to work and, and play together. There's a lot to be said for teams that play well together. Mm-hmm. Makes up for maybe a lack of of having uh, some of the, the size and physicality or, or even experience. Uh, but if they play well together and they love each other and they, and they play for each other um, and they have this camaraderie and, and, and feel on the floor and off the floor, but certainly on the floor, uh, it makes a big difference. And that's that's what I told him our, our group at the very beginning, and I'll let you get out of here, is that, you know, remember Bo Schembechler, the team, the team, the team. Yep. And his team wasn't supposed to be very good, but but he convinced them that, they could be good. They could be better than anybody in that Big Ten if they played well together. They forgot. They didn't think about, you know, who was going to play all the time and, and those kind of things. And, and for us, it's the same thing. And, you know, the current and past players at Purdue have done a great job of establishing that mindset here. And so I, I think this group will do that. And it just comes down to how tough can we be when we get into those knockdown, dragout affairs. That's so well said. We, we've both been around college athletics enough to know that you can have a great collection of talent mm-hmm. that falls short because the chemistry is not there. They don't really like each other. Yeah. And you can have a good collection of talent that goes further than anybody dreamed yeah. because they love each other and they play for that Yeah, and, 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 and there's, there's a lot to that. It, it really is. To me, it's not as much about if they don't like each other. There's some teams that, that may not like, may not want to spend time together. Right. It's not that you have to spend all the time in the world together. Oh. It's about can you understand each other and care about each other enough that you can put differences aside when you've got to step on the floor and play for Purdue University. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's where this team is. And and I I mean these guys spend all the time in the world together. You know, it's not like they don't. They do. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that I. You know, I, I, sometimes there's too much stock put in the fact that, well, you've got to hold everybody's hand all day long. No. When you step on the floor, go compete. Go compete for Purdue yep. because that's, that's why we're here together, and that mentality is going to help you in every step of the way the rest of your life. Good time for one quick question. Yes. Then I know you got to get to practice. Uh, it's, it's, time, it's almost time for afternoon practice. Yeah. Uh, right before this, I saw the entire coaching staff down in the, uh, in the workout huh. room in Mackey. Is that, is that a team bonding? As were you. Staff? As were you, by was, the way. I was on, pretending that I was doing something. On the but, elliptical. Uh, you, guys were, well, you guys were crushing it together. We, well, we were working out, okay, <laughs> together. Um, three months at the lake, living the high life, okay, do not make a 64-year-old man ready for the start of the season or for the rest of life, for that matter. So um, I've had to uh, pull the reins in and get to uh, – Changed some programs around, and Aaron uh, was Aaron Broke Miller again, kind enough to get our staff. I think it's great. It's not easy. Yeah. After a four-hour practice, then to turn right around and go in there and and, uh, and and hit the weights and and whatever routine she runs us through. But I appreciate her and our staff collectively doing that, and we'll do it as long as we can. 
<laughs> we'll keep it up. All right, thank you. Dave, we'll catch you down the road. Uh, till next time, Boiler Up.